Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, big news day, obviously, with the warrant yesterday that was served at the home of President Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we're going to talk about that at length today. I've got a great guest that can give us some special insight. Steve Hooper will join us. Steve is a frequent guest on the show. Um, he is now a professor at Embry-Riddle School of, of, of Security and Intelligence. And uh, they have a – it's the only really – I think it's the only four-year degree in that field that's available in the country. It's, at least it was at one point. It maybe still is. But it's a great school right here in, in Prescott Valley or in Prescott, and uh, he is a professor there, but he spent over 30 years with the FBI working in Phoenix in the Joint Terrorism Task Force heading up that, that part of the agency, also was the ASAC here in Phoenix, so he's got some special unique insight into why the FBI would do this, and the questions that everybody's asking is, what's the reason for it? What is this all about? There are a lot of um, opinions out there. About, you know, is this politically motivated? Was this solely politically motivated? This has never been done before, and it's something else. I think we are, we are crossing uh, something new here. It is unprecedented. That is for sure. But is there merit to it? Or is this a political hatchet job? The comparisons are already being made to the document, um, frenzy about Hillary Clinton, where nothing was done in that regard, where she wasn't charged with anything having classified documents. And, and very quickly, I'm going to tell you, uh, I don't know what this is all about because a president can declassify a document anytime he wants to. Um, but I will say if they are doing the wrong thing with classified documents, we're going to find out. Um, there is a room, uh, and this is why digitally speaking or physically speaking, there is a room at every at every secure site, um, every top secret room. There is a room called a skiff, and it's where they keep documents. And we're going to talk a little bit about this with Steve Hooper. Um, and the skiff is a place where classified documents are kept. And you are, you, if you have documents, if you have a clearance, and there is a document in that room for you, or documents in that room for you, it's not as if you have an easy pass into that room and you. You can just read everything in the room. That's not how it works. The way it works is you're notified that you have documents or a document in there. You have to leave all of your recording devices outside. You, you are breaking the law by taking a recording device in, even if you don't use it. And you are breaking the law if you take a document out. Whether or not you do what you do, it, it doesn't matter. The minute you leave that room... It's a, it's a breaking of the law. And so was there a law broken here? And that's going to be a big question for people. Why would the FBI raid the home of the former president? And before I jump to conclusions, because you can see how politically charged this could be, the White House is saying they had no idea this was happening. There are uh, people in the House. McCarthy is saying that they are going to do a full investigation of Merrick Garland. Did he overstep his, his office in doing what he's doing? So all of this remains to be seen. But we will talk to somebody with much more insight than I. I have at 835. So make sure you stick around because it's just a few minutes away. We'll talk with Steve Hooper. Uh, the other conversation we're going to have this morning is at 905. And we're going to talk to the head of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association and the opinions of cops, especially the police officers in Phoenix that have been on that with that agency for a couple of decades. They um, and I don't want to put words in their mouth. You'll hear from them. New recruits are getting a huge pay increase, and they are getting new recruits in. So that's great news. And everybody agrees they need new blood into the Phoenix Police Department, that they are an agency that is dwindling, that they are an agency with a lot of experienced officers that are retiring, and those officers need to be replaced. And it takes a while for a police officer to stand, you know, to be a standalone officer. It's more than just going to the police academy. There's also the in-house academy. There is the field training office when you're with FTO. There's probation 
probationary periods, all that stuff you have to get through. So from the day they enter the academy to the day that they truly are kind of a standalone officer is about two years. And so they are in desperate need. So it's a good thing that raises are happening. But are there officers that have been with the agency for decades that have been loyal and have been good cops and done their job that are not seeing the same kind of benefit that a new recruit gets? That is something that needs to be worked out. It happens everywhere. If, uh, in, you know, we talk about teacher raises and uh, the need for teachers to be paid, if the experienced teachers out there, 15, 20 years experience, were seeing a moderate or small or moderate bump in pay, but new teachers saw this huge increase to get teachers into the profession, there would be some, some seasoned teachers that would be upset that it is, they are not seeing the same kind of an increase that uh, the, the new recruits are. Um, when you look, I know it's a silly analogy, but um, when you look at the, the NFL, the NFL had to do a thing with their rookie contracts because they were signing number one draft picks to these huge contracts and seasoned veterans were saying, man, we are spending salary cap money on these new recruits that we don't know if they're going to pan out. And so things were changed to balance it out with rookie contracts until you prove your worth and then you get paid later on in your career to try to make it more fair for the veterans and not just paying out huge dollar amount to the rookies. Um, So we're going to talk with them about this because I think policing is one of the biggest issues we have. The other side of this, and I never want to lose sight of it, probably not going to be a part of this conversation, but the other side of policing is prosecution. And as voters and people that are looking, we elect people that spend our tax dollars, I think part of what we should be doing is looking at who wins these elections to be prosecutors or people that are hired or appointed in those jobs and what their ideology on prosecution is. Nobody wants an activist, at least I don't want an activist, in a prosecutorial role. But we do want someone that is tough on crime. We want someone. And we're going to – the funny thing about one of these stories today is in New York, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about as far as ideology goes. In New York, they've just passed a law, and I think the governor signed it. That they will no longer call inmates inmates or prisoners. They are now going to be called an incarcerated person. This is a state law, so this is going to happen in official state documents. And the thought process behind it is is it dehumanizes people that are in jail or prison when you call them inmate or when you call them prisoner. So they are going to be called an incarcerated person. That mindset to me is absolutely foolish. I'm not someone that believes in torture. I certainly don't. But we know that when you look, when you hear about horrific stories, and I've talked about them over and over and over again, these criminals that have been violent, the ones, the last five officer attacks in the city of Phoenix, and there have been others, but I've chronicled the ones in Phoenix most of all. The last five times we have seen police officers in Phoenix attacked violently with guns, it has been by convicted felons that had, in my opinion, had no business being out on the street. And that's what the general public is upset about many times. If you are someone that's been a victim of a crime, And then you find out that the person that committed the crime against you has a long criminal record. It adds a little bit of insult to injury. And here's how. Why is that person on the street? They've already proven themselves to be a violent maniac. Why are they why are they getting out early? Why are they getting these soft sentences? Why are you taking a plea agreement with a slam dunk case? Well, a lot of times it's staffing and other times it's policy. 
And that is where I think a lot of people are where we kind of overlook things. We look at the police and we should. We want a police department that works within the laws, that works within um, department policy, but aggressively seeks out and arrests criminals. But if we don't have a prosecutorial arm that is just as aggressive in prosecuting, it demoralizes the cops, which I've talked about at great length. That's another piece of this puzzle is that when you've got a police department like Phoenix, and it's not just Phoenix. There are shortages of officers in Chandler and all over Mesa. Everybody is hurting for officers right now. When you have cops that work to make cases, that they are overwhelmed, but they are making good cases. They are getting the evidence gathered, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, talking to witnesses, and putting together really good prosecutable cases and turning them over to the prosecutor's offices. And then they find out that for whatever reason, the cases are being pled out or they are not prosecuted at all. Um, It's frustrating and it's demoralizing. And to the people that have been victims of crimes, again, I say this over and over again. Why wouldn't someone take the law into their own hands? I don't want that. But if you don't get justice from the justice system, you're going to get street justice. And that's what we want to avoid. At least that's what we should be avoiding. Coming up in a moment, my friend Steve Hooper, former FBI agent, uh, um, ASAC here in Phoenix, head of the Joint Terrorism Task Force, spent 30 years in that agency with some insight. Are we seeing the politicization of a federal agency? Should we be concerned? We're going to ask him that question coming up in just a couple of moments. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Staying too long at the honky tonk. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, the firestorm that has happened politically in this country after the warrant was served at the former president's home in Florida has set off again the conversation of is this a political hatchet job? Have we weaponized a federal agency that's being used by one political party against the leadership of another political party? That's the question that's being asked. And if you listen to some of the diversity of opinions out there, it's people that you wouldn't expect to say yes that are saying, man, this looks like that that's what's happening. So to get answers on the mindset and what happens here in the policies and procedures, former agent with the FBI for over 30 years, his name is Steve Hooper. He joins us again. Um, Steve, can you lay out kind of what happened and the significant things that you saw in this? Good morning, Mike. Um, well, it was collective shock in uh, in our house when we when this news broke. Uh, this uh, this didn't appear to be a normal approach and a uh, uh, normal uh, process that uh, that we've seen throughout uh, our career and and certainly all the years we've been we had done search warrants. First of all, one thing is this is the former president of the United States. The fact that the there was no public statement put out ahead of time that this was going to happen, that there wasn't a coordinated effort at the White House. And now the president is coming out and saying he was not aware of it. Uh, I mean, we were in the Washington field office. I was in that Washington field office for 13 years, and we worked some pretty high-profile cases on government people, including the former president and first lady, the Clintons, in the 90s. And that was all... Um, 
uh, known by, at the highest levels with uh, public statements out there. It, it was all a coordinated effort to do this under the cover of darkness uh, early in the morning at a former president's house was highly, highly um, unusual. I've never seen this. Is it unusual for the Washington field office to do this in Florida or is because it's the former president of the United States, it makes sense that it's the Washington field office? Yeah, don't you can't use the term make sense. None of this makes sense. Uh, no, that's one of the notes I jotted down that uh, first came to light was why is WFO, our WFO agents, all the agents involved were from the Washington field office. And, and Miami was, quote unquote, notified. Again, highly unusual. Um, uh, it's not unusual for agents from one field office to go to another field office if it's their case. So you send a couple of the case agents down to coordinate with the local field office to conduct a search warrant, interviews, and so forth. But to send to, for the, the entire operation to be handled by the Washington field office in Miami, again, highly, highly unusual. Uh, it just, you know, perception is reality. And the perception among, I believe, most, if not all, retired agents and probably many, many many, many within the agency is that this screams uh, political. Steve Hooper joins us. And when he talked about his house, his wife also spent over 20 years. So between the two of you, you have over 50 years experience with the FBI, correct? Yes. And the other part of this you just alluded to is the fraternity that um, it, much like the military, uh, the the FBI, former agents, people that have retired out of the agency, keep close, close contact and keep an eye on the agency because it's almost like a, a, um, a badge of honor to make sure that they stay above reproach. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are we are our own watchdogs in the FBI. So, what would what are you looking for moving forward that would give you some peace of mind in what happened here? Uh, what does the American public need to start hearing so it doesn't appear to be such a political hatchet job, if that's even possible? Uh, I'm not sure they can recover if this isn't. And it's interesting on social media, I follow agents and some of them are uh, very much uh, anti-Trump, uh, President Trump uh, people. And even they came out on social media with very tempered uh, criticism um, stating that if this doesn't have a significant, if there's not a significant uh, outcome uh, in this search and that there's not a, uh, a, a significant criminal act that's involved here, the blowback on this is going to be is going to be huge because it, it, this has got to be more than just looking for documents that he may have brought with him down to his residence in Florida. He was traveling back and forth from there all the time. And and from everything I've read, he didn't even pack up all the boxes that they brought down there. He, it's Donald Trump. He doesn't pack boxes. It, he had the government come in and take what they needed to take and move it down there and, and so forth. It, it just something is not right about this. So when you what when you say there needed to be some significant outcome, what would that be? What would a significant outcome be that needs to happen in your mind? What would it be his arrest? Would it be a criminal act that's very egregious? What would it look like? 
It would be evidence of a significant criminal act. It would be evidence of some uh, federal felony violation. Yeah, because uh, otherwise they'd be a, they could have issued a subpoena for the documents. That's normally how it's done. I mean, you do you do a search warrant and an early morning entry on drug raids and on uh, you know uh, um, home invasion uh, investigations or human trafficking, something where evidence may be destroyed, and that's why you go in early in the morning. He wasn't even home. I mean, they could have issued a subpoena and just gone in and taken all the documents or had him bring all the documents. It just is something not right here. And uh, unless they have something that none of us is seeing, um, this may not look so good. Yeah, the optics of it being a raid on a former president's home is, is, is really is what may look so egregious. Yes, yes. For sure. Well, Steve, I, I always appreciate the the insight, and I, I'm going to hope you'll come back in the coming days because as they release information or they try to do whatever they can to uh, to make this look like it was the right thing to do, I hope you'll come and analyze that for us and let us know what you think. Glad to do it, Mike. All right, thanks. That is uh, Steve Hooper, and you can hear a kind of exasperation in his voice. And, and just for clarity, Steve is not um, – He's not just somebody that was with the FBI, that he was there for over 30 years. As he said, he worked out for over a decade and his wife as well out of the Washington field office. They have been in leadership for the most of their career at the FBI. So this is someone that knows how that agency operates. And so for him to be as exasperated and not able to explain this tells you that there are still a lot of questions that people out there that don't know this much are asking. But they're also asking it with people that really are in the know on this issue. Coming up in a moment, it's and the big Q poll question of the day, so stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Oh, I almost didn't make it today. What happened? Oh, I got the FBI here at the house. They're going through <laughs> everything, Mike. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jeez. Let me just say this. Okay, say it. Why do people take such joy in this story i don't know you know it's really disgusting so you don't know what you don't know what trump had maybe it's something maybe it isn't you know people are it's like made people's day listen i don't like trump okay i gave the guy a shot when he was president but you know, it's like this is like the Super Bowl for people. Now they're they're watching this thing. They're, oh, he's gonna he's guilty. You know, you have that side. Then you got the other side. Well, he obviously he's completely innocent. Well, you don't know that either, right? So I just don't get why you don't let this play out. Um, you've got one side who completely thinks he's innocent and didn't do anything wrong, and then you've got the other side who is just jumping for joy. And I'm like, get a life. I, interesting perspective. I just had a um, Steve Hooper on who has spent 30 years with the FBI that said that this is unprecedented, and the reason why it looks political is if they wanted documents from the president, and they say that's what they're looking for, documents, yeah. they could have just subpoenaed them. So the political appearance in his mind is why would they send Washington field office agents all yeah. the way down there to do this? That's what looks like the overreach. And yeah. so he said it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be hard for the agency to explain why they had to be so heavy handed in what they did. Well, they better find something big or they're yeah. not going to look too good. Yeah. All right. What's the question? I got a minute left. How will you remember the iconic 
Olivia Newton-John. Oh, great question. Uh, my mom uh, took me to see Grease the opening week three times when I was five years old because I kept begging her to take me back. It was the first movie I ever saw. So I loved Olivia Newton-John. So how will you remember her? Her music, her movies, her public battle with breast cancer, her boyfriend's mysterious disappearance. That was a weird one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got to sing with her on the show, too. Oh, that's I played cool. it all day yesterday at Nauseam in Port Chad. He was like, I can't listen to this anymore. I had, him, <laughs> had her on in 2017, and I made her sing with me, and it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to remember her from the Let's Get Physical video. Oh, there you go. Watched it last night. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Gatos, great question, man. All right, I got to get back to the FBI. <laughs> all right, talk to you tomorrow. Good luck with the FBI. Right. Uh, the BQ poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We talked to a representative from the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association in a moment.